Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Good to be back with you. I was teaching at a Calvary Chapel Association conference last week and had a wonderful time meeting a lot of new people. Uh, The conference happened to be in Hawaii, uh, and so I was in Hawaii for a couple days, uh, also teaching at a Calvary Chapel there in the central part of Maui, and I appreciate your prayers and your encouragement on on that. It was was really an encouraging time um, seeing all that the Lord is doing, all that He wants to do, um, also just really um, encouraged by the the um, the ministry of God's word on the topic of revival uh, that was encouraging. So good to be back with you. I'm glad that uh, there were um, pastors that filled in for me. I don't know who they were, but I'm sure they did great. I think we had a an encore presentation too. So however technology goes forth, we're very grateful uh, to be a part of it. This. If you're new to Grace FM uh, or Hope FM or Truth FM, wherever you might be listening <clears throat> to today's broadcast, if you're listening uh, Mountain Time from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., uh, then this is a live broadcast, and we're taking your calls live on the air. The number to dial is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, uh, and that will get you on the air. Uh, and if you are in a safe place and you can text, we have a dedicated text line that is just for iMessage and text. It's 720-336-0897. And it'd be really good for you to save these in your phone. It makes it easier to find, easier to, you know, you can call them up and tell Siri or Google to dial it because it's already in your uh, no, it's already in your address book. And while you're on the go, you can dial up and we would love to take your calls. 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Let's join together on the show and talk about the things of the Lord. We're also going to be back in God's Word tonight in the Book of Daniel, and what a special divine arrangement of God that we see in Daniel's life. And we're going to be teaching on. You know, we don't always see the circumstances in our lives as either being arranged by God or allowed by God. Um, As a matter of fact, if we don't like our circumstances, we're kind of we're kind of in a place where we think that uh, God is against us. I know Elijah felt that way. Job even felt that way. 
but God is moving things around. God is putting things together. God is sovereignly uh, taking care of things in our lives to arrange exactly what he wants to accomplish at the time he wants to accomplish it. And, you know, it's always good to lean on the sovereignty of God. And that's what we learn in Daniel. I mean, I think in Daniel's life, he experienced great difficulties. Uh, He expressed great um, challenges, and yet it was all used by God to get him to speak to the number one ruler of the known world. And it was all an arrangement, all being used by God. Amazing, encouraging stuff. 303-690-3000. We're going to go right to the phone lines. Michelle in Aurora. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, you're on there. I had a question about standing in the gap. I've um, I've heard that just several times throughout my Christian life, and I kind of just wanted to know the meaning behind it and the true meaning of it, what it means when someone says they're standing in the gap. Well, I think that that is a, a, a phrase that we use to describe the distance between a man and God, a, a gap, a gap of, of space, a gap of time. And when, you, uh, when someone uses that phrase, I'm standing in the gap, what they're trying to express is that they are praying for someone, standing in that time, that time between um, the time of prayer and God's answer. Because uh, there's really no gap between a person and God. So you can't really use it that way because God lives in us. So there's really not a gap between us and God. But there is often a gap between the time of our prayers and the time of God's answer to our prayers. And so when we say we're standing in the gap with someone, we're actually just sharing that we're on their side, we're with them, we're praying with them, and there's nothing super spiritual about standing in the gap. Are you still with us, Michelle? I have a prodigal son, and huh. I, I've heard people say that. Yes. And I just kind of wanted to know what it meant, and I wanted to do it, but I wanted to know the full and true meaning behind it. Well, I think that someone... So in your situation, the way I think that they're trying to communicate that is is they are <clears throat> they're communicating to you that the gap between now and when your prodigal son returns, they're going to stand in that gap with you. Ah, uh, Okay. All right. Thank you so much. For You're welcome. Your, for Let's your pray answer. for your son Thank right you. now. Can we do that? Excuse me. I, I'm sorry. I was, That's I was okay. driving, so I was kind of... I'm going to pray for your son right now. Okay. Thank you. Father, we pray for this young man who is not uh, in deep relationship with you right now, God, not um, not walking in relationship and, and from a mom's perspective is a prodigal. And we pray, God, that this young man would come to the end of his... Um, come to the end of himself so that he recognizes that you are with him and that you are longing to have him in relationship with you. And so we pray that you would, you will, um, you will draw him with your cords of love and you will comfort his mom while she waits. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All God right. bless you, Pastor Ed. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 303-690-3000 is the number. We're going to move right along to our next call is Christopher in Baltimore. Christopher, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor, for having me. You're welcome. Um, um, 
just wanted to say I missed you at uh, this year's pastors conference. Oh, where were you? I was uh, well, I was looking for you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't see it, but it's all good. I actually have a question about a verse. Okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verse fourteen. Yes. Now I'm trying to read this in context, but the verse itself actually doesn't really make much sense to me because I thought salvation was through belief, an individual's belief. It is. It says that. Hold up, really quick. It says, "For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Elsewhere, your children, unclean, are now holy. They are now holy." I, I, that verse just doesn't make sense. Like I said, I tried to read it in That's context, okay. but it just made it that much worse. Well, this is where English language can be limited to some degree because the idea behind the word "sanctified," the the literal definition of that Greek word is to be set apart. The idea of being set apart for some special use. And and so when you read verse 14, it says, For the unbelieving—I'm going to read from the New King James— the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Let me read it to you in the New Living and see if it helps a little bit. It says, For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage— and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not have a godly influence, but now they're set apart for him. And so this isn't a verse of salvation. It's not a verse that says, because there's a believing spouse, their salvation is automatic in the home. But rather, it's speaking of special benefits that come to a home where there's at least one believing spouse. I mean, obviously, we would want two believing spouses in the home, uh, a sp- uh, to be a home led by the, by the husband who's loving and leading his family. But even if just one spouse is saved, they're bringing a special blessing to their home, a special influence, and they literally bring holiness into their lives. How do you think they, into their homes? How do you think the believing spouse brings holiness into their home? Oh, I think one through prayer, just a visualization as the children walk in the room and see their father or their mother um, on their knees praying, or yeah. or even simply just having their Bible open on the table. Just even if they're not yes. reading, it, just having the Bible open on the table, it's something for the kid because the the child gets to walk up and see, oh, well, what's mom and dad reading, and they themselves become interested and engaged. Just that that openness. That's and, the heart of that passage. That's what that verse means. Thank you. That, that, that definitely clarifies so much more. You're welcome. I, I know it's easy to read it um, as you did. That's not uncommon uh, to to read it like you did. But the reality of of what it's saying is not speaking of salvation, but the benefit of a believing person in the home, especially in the role of parent, right? Because of the authority they have over a child. Of course. I mean, this is all new. I'm a new father. I've. I have a two-year-old, and I'm about to have a daughter in about two months. So this is uh, definitely a passage I need to keep in mind. Yes, what a blessing! Congratulations. Cool. And I, I, I feel kind of off because for some reason I didn't think to look at other translations. Well, I always like to go to the New Living uh, because uh, that the New Living helps to modernize the language. It, it almost always does a great job at that. You said the New Living Translation, right? Yeah, the NLT, yes. Okay, I have to, I have to get, 
get one because I'm reading out of the, the old King James. I, I like it because it slows down my reading and oh, yeah. it, and allows me to process what I'm reading. So, Let me see. I'm going to um, go, while you're talking, I'm going to go to the Blue Letter Bible and see. So the if you go to blueletterbible.org, mm-hmm. uh, they have, you can use the NLT for free there. I, say, I, have, I have it on the, the app on my phone. Okay, just, good. Perfect. Yeah, it helps. Usually that's the one of the first things I do is check another translation just to to change my um you know, change my reading of it so that I can grasp it a little bit more. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Pastor. All right, God um, bless you, brother. God bless you. I'm gonna turn my radio up and listen to you talk to somebody else. All right, God bless you. God bless you. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. That's a great example of somebody listening in in Baltimore, Maryland. They're on Hope FM. And although it's a one-week delayed, as they're listening, you can call in. And so here's another call from Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to go to Cindy in Philadelphia. Cindy, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Thank you. You're welcome. I have long tried to understand John chapter 3, verse 5, where he speaks about being born of the water and the Spirit. I get yes. the Spirit part. I just don't understand the water. I think it's a, it's a very simple reference to physical birth. Okay. The water breaking, water being involved in, the, in physical birth. It's, I don't believe it's a reference to water baptism. I've read many commentators, and I think I'm making things harder than they need to be. Well, I mean, sometimes when we're wrestling with these passages and we have these different points of view, um, we can make them a little harder, but it's okay to wrestle with things. It's, it's even okay to disagree on, on things. However, um, so let me—I I pulled up my notes when I taught this. Okay. Um, so I, here, here, here's my exact notes. It says, this is, one of, here, this is one of the passages that can be easily misunderstood. What is Jesus saying here? Let's look at some options. Number one, the water refers to water baptism. Some have said and taught that Jesus is teaching what's known as baptismal regeneration, that you must be water baptized or you'll never be saved. But the problem is, is that Christian baptism hasn't even really started yet. Um, we don't really see it happening uh, in the context of the Christian church until the book of Acts. Even though there is water baptism, do you know Christianity didn't invent water baptism? Water baptism in the mikvahs was something that the Jews did. It was known as the ritual cleansing. And now in Christianity, it's a one-time event that's symbolic of the cleansing that, that the Lord has given us. Um, secondly, uh, it speaks of physical or spiritual birth, to be born of water could be speaking to the natural process, like I mentioned. And the third option is that this water is symbolic, uh, that it's po- just simply representing changing, cleansing, that there, he's telling Nicodemus that there needs to be a spiritual cleansing in your life, not outwardly, but inwardly. And I think number two or number three could easily fit this text. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Thank you. You're welcome. Great question. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And I, um, I read the Calvary Chapel magazine, and I love the feature that you were in recently, and I thank you for your bravery and your transparency. Oh, thank thank you. you. Thanks thank for your you. prayers. Okay. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. A shout-out to Pastor Joe Foch, Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. I know that the station reaches that whole area. All my friends in New Jersey, 
Um, God bless you guys. Uh, Baltimore, throughout Maryland, God bless you. We're uh, privileged to be on the air and to be in ministry with you. 303-690-3000. And, and by the way, what's being referenced there, um, what our sister was referencing is an article that was in the Calvary Chapel magazine is a quarterly publication. Um, we, we love to distribute Calvary magazine. Uh, we actually buy them by the cases like Pastor Chuck used to and give them away for free uh, so that we could put them not only in the hands of our church, but then they can start giving them away. They can take them to the doctor's office, dentist office, wherever magazines are laying out on the tables. But <clears throat> recently, my friends at Calvary Chapel magazine interviewed me uh, and another pastor on the topic of losing a child. And um, while I wouldn't, I, I wish I didn't, I wish I couldn't give that interview. And I wish I, uh, I wish it wasn't a part of my testimony. It is. And uh, they interviewed and we shared a little bit about our journey. <clears throat> and I reminded everyone that they can connect with me uh, on, a, on my website. So grief and maybe even losing a child as a part of your testimony. I write on these things at my website, edtaylor.org. If being separated from your kids or your grandkids is also a part of your testimony, I, I can relate to that. I also write on those things, edtaylor.org. Uh, I write on grief, on life, and on ministry. And I hope that they, the articles there and the Bible studies there are an encouragement to you uh, that will encourage you not only if you're going through it, but would equip you in ministering and serving others. <clears throat> Give me a call, 303-690-3000. David in Greeley, Colorado. David, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Ed. <clears throat> just wanted to make a comment about your first caller. She was wondering what standing in the gap was. Yes. So I was I was in the charismatic realm for many years. Yes. And it's a term of intercession. So this, they get that scripture from Ezekiel twenty two thirty. So I'll read that. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I found no one. So there, there's a person who stands in this gap and intercedes for the situation until God uh, comes through for them. And and so you realize that this the context of Ezekiel 22 is not prayer. You realize well, that, right? Well, I, I know that. But but I agree with you. That phrase is often used to in prayer for some situation between man and God, between the time of prayer and the answer of prayer. I agree with you, but you realize Ezekiel... Yeah. That, that isn't that isn't that isn't speaking of prayer. Although Ezekiel, his life was in the gap between people. You know, really, you could say from a contextual place that Ezekiel, as a man of God, as a prophet of God, was literally standing in the gap between God and man. Yes. But yes, I agree with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, I just wanted to make that comment. Thank you so much for calling and listening. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 303-690-3000. And I think we do pick up things over over time that when you look at the text, uh, you have to let the text say what it says first. There's a difference between two things. When you're studying the scriptures, you can do one of two things. You can 
exegete the text. That's called exegesis, and that's where you allow the text to say what it says and what it meant to the original audience. Then you bring application. Or you can do what many people do, and that is eisegesis, and that is actually reading into the text something that it doesn't say. And we don't want to do that. Um, Although in Ezekiel, I think by principle, prayer is standing in the gap. I agree with that. But the idea of standing in the gap for Ezekiel is actually literally standing in a gap and building a wall and being there to draw people's attention to him. So good stuff. Hey, we got a couple open lines. Grab them while you can. 303-690-3000. Daisy in Longmont, Colorado. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. Hi. Um, so I'm calling. Um, I called a few months ago and uh, tried to email back, but I I kept getting rejected emails. Okay. Um, Sorry. It was a wrong email. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, to the point of my call, uh, so last night I was driving and listening to your radio station and, um, they, the pastor, I wish I could remember his name, but he was talking about how our deeds are the final, um, deciding factor of whether or not we go to heaven or hell. And, um, basically that, uh, when we get born again, that if we do not, follow um, our born-again values, what basically what comes along with being born again, that it it basically does us no good to be born again. Somebody um, said that on, taught that on this station? Yeah. At what time? Um, it was probably around uh, 8 o'clock, between 8 and 9.30 at night. Huh. And it just bothered me because I felt like I've, I've heard the opposite from that, basically that our, our deeds are not necessarily what gets, in, gets us into heaven, that what we believe um, in well, Jesus Christ is that what gets us into heaven. Well, if you hear, if you, email me again if you hear the pastor's voice and it's recognizable to you. Like, so you don't know exactly what time, but then you're listening again and you go, that's the guy. Cause I'd love to yeah. hear what was taught because if what was taught is, is the way you presented it, I would disagree with that pastor. And I would also think the Bible disagrees with that pastor. And, and here's the, here's what I believe the Bible teaches that you and I are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. And the only way that you and I can be born again is by a supernatural work of God. And that born-again life will demonstrate itself in good works. So that if I, let's say we were talking about you, and you would say, um, hey, Daisy, I, I see your life and you're just, your, your deeds are like so evil and wicked. Like you don't, you're not acting like a normal believer acts. I would question whether you were born again. I mean, I think, I think that would be, you know, Jesus said, you know, a fruit, you know, a tree by its fruit. And, yeah. and so if your behavior was such that didn't represent a true believer, I'd question, you know, your walk with the Lord. I'd question those things. But to say a person's saved by their good deeds and that being born again doesn't matter, um, I'm just hoping that you misunderstood it because that's not consistent with the pastors that 
we have on the station here. And so let me just well, go. I don't think you said that born again didn't matter. I yeah. think, um, and I do agree that um, that if you are born again and you ask Jesus to save your soul, um, once you believe in Him, I do believe that you you do have to follow a, a I mean a certain path. Um, well, your life's going to change. Like, for example, uh, I mean, it's going to change automatically. It, there's, you don't even need to know the Bible in order for your life to change. For example, when a, are you single or married? Single. Okay, so you're single, but let's say that there's a day coming when you get married, and you walk the aisle with a young man, you share your vows, you p- put rings on each other's finger, and the person pronounces you husband and wife. Will your life change as a result of that ceremony? Yes. Automatically, right? Yes. Like, there are some things you kind of, you might need to be told, but most likely not. Your, your life is, is going to completely change because now you're married. Your life has changed on, in, a, in an event, and then it's naturally going to change. And being born again is even deeper than that. Like, being born again, your life is going to radically change and that as a new creation in Christ your behavior is going to change your thinking is going to change your actions are going to change and and that's going to be automatic and then on top of that you're going to change as you read the bible as you fellowship as you worship more things are going to be noticeably different in your life yeah you're correct on that too yeah i mean if someone's uh says the words and yet goes out and commits <clears throat> murder and rape and does all these things and keeps doing their same uh, awful sin on a regular basis, you have to question whether or not those words yes. were sincere. And I think that that's maybe where sure. he was coming from. It's, that it, I agree with. You have to be sincere with your words. That I would agree with. I think that questioning someone whether that, that was a real conversion— uh, questioning, calling someone to repentance, calling someone to holy living is all appropriate. But the idea that our deeds save us is not consistent with the grace of God. Yeah. Um, even God knows. I mean, I read in the Bible, too, like, um, if you don't actually believe that God's, um, that Jesus will save you from from death, that he is actually, um, that he did die on the cross to save you from your sins, and that just because you've committed all of these sins doesn't mean that you're going to go to hell once you believe in him, that he will save you and you can go to heaven. Like, if you actually don't believe that in your heart and you still say the words, it doesn't mean anything. Correct. And That I would agree so, with. Yeah, and so for me, I, I feel like I've I've done so many horrible things that I don't believe that I could possibly be saved from all these horrible things that I've ever done, and that I'm still going to go to hell, and that I'm I'm just unsavable, basically. Um, well, I still struggle with that, so I'm still wondering. I find okay. I'm on I'm kind of on the fence with that. So well, I think that I think that yeah, now now that we get to the root of where you're at, I think it's important to spend some time on that. Would you be willing? We're almost at the break. Would you be willing to wait to the 
till the break is over and then come back and spend some time talking about this? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold because that is a great question to answer. And I want to take some, I don't want to be fast on this. I want to take some time to answer it, okay? Okay. Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold. This is Calvary Live, really good stuff. I love, love, love doing this show. And I love being available to serve the Lord in your life. Thank you guys for calling, for listening. Thank you for supporting Christian Radio financially. You can go to gracefm.com to do that. Would you please do that? Uh, If you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, um, support local Christian radio. But if you're here on Grace FM in Colorado and beyond, support us, please. We could use your resources. Uh, It takes a lot behind the scenes. And then we're going to get back to this beautiful question um, in thinking that I'm unsavable. Daisy has a great question. We're going to be right back. This is Ed Taylor. My name is Ed Taylor on Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Um, I want to, without any more introductory, and I'll get to that after the call, I want to get back to the phone lines for those of you that were listening and be in prayer for us as we go back to Longmont, Colorado. Daisy's with us. Daisy, welcome to the program. Thank you. So welcome back. We, we kind of went um, through a great route to get to the root of what's on your heart, and that is, if I heard you correctly, you said that you really don't think you're savable. Yeah. And you're referring to you personally. Yes. So let me say that right out of the gate, you're savable. That Jesus Christ died to cover all of your sins. And let me rephrase your statement for a second and see if it doesn't sound different to you when I, when I say it differently. You ready? Mm-hmm. You're basically saying that if you were God, you've done things so bad and so horrible that if you were God, you wouldn't forgive yourself. Yeah, pretty much. And that's where we are grateful that we're not God. Because we do have limitations in our ability to see possibilities. And we do have limitations in our ability to love, uh, even love ourselves. I, I did a Bible study on this. I actually did a whole series on this called Learning to Be Free from Your Past. And I'd really encourage you to listen to them. Uh, if you go to our app, the app for our church, it's at if you go to like your app store and you put in Calvary Church Ed Taylor, our app will come out. And right on the home page, there's a little icon that says free from your past. Because, you know, I have a past too. As a matter of fact, on one of my, um, I do some recordings for the radio broadcast that we have. And one of the questions I answered just before you called was, uh, let's see, it said, uh, let's see, what did it say? It said, man, I know I saw it. Oh, it said, Pastor Ed, you showed us today there are new creations in Christ, but maybe someone listening right now is having having difficulty getting past the past. <laughs> maybe yeah. they feel sort of crippled by what they've done in their BC days. What would you leave with them with some encouraging words? And this is what I said. 
something like this. I don't remember my exact words, but this is what I said. I said, we all have a past, and many of us are ashamed of our past. And I like to put it this way. I'm sure you heard this cliche before, and that is, if we knew then what we know now, we wouldn't make some of the same stupid decisions that we made. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. And, and I believe that to be true. If I known, if I, I literally know, if I know, if I was different in high school and, and just out of high school and all the years that I lived for the enemy, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have made the same decisions. But I did. And the only remedy for forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ. He died a sinless life. I, he lived a sinless life. He died a sinless death to forgive you of the very sins that you think are unforgivable. So, he did. So let me ask you a question. Why are you choosing to hold them against yourself instead of releasing them to God? Um, well, I guess I, I've been... Um, I was only saved, like... Uh, less than a year ago, and before that I was actually possessed by the devil okay. um, on about three occasions All right. within the year within the year span. Yes. And then after I was saved, I was actually oppressed, I guess you could call it. Okay. Um, not possessed, but oppressed, and it, uh, all these things, it was like being in a horror movie. It was, um, it was terrifying, and I was basically told that I was going to burn in hell for eternity. And so it's like, why was I told that I was going to hell for eternity? It was like, does it, it made me think that it didn't matter what I did from that point on, that my destiny was going to be that I had to go to hell. And that, even being saved and believing in Jesus Christ and having him forgive my sins, it didn't matter. I was still going to hell. And I know that the devil is the father of lies. Well, that's but true. still happened. Well, these things that happened, you know, when you're told something that's not true, you're faced with a choice. You're either going to believe it or not believe it. And when a lie comes to us, we need to train ourselves to not believe the lie. So the the lie that you are that you are going to spend eternity in hell was broken by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that no that is not true. Uh, there there apart from Jesus Christ that's true. It's a truth. Apart from Jesus Christ, eternity in hell in Gehenna, the lake of fire, eternal separation from God will take place. But that curse. That difficulty, that eternal separation was broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you were born again, when you start to have feelings that you're unsavable, you choose not to believe them mm -hmm. because they're not true. It's just lies. And we, we need to train ourselves as we abide in Christ to not believe the lies. And I am technically unsavable if I don't believe that Jesus is saving me. Like, no. it actually, I, I read that in the Bible, like, that, no. that uh, 
No, it's not true that if no, I that, don't believe so let's it talk in about my this. heart, that it actually doesn't, it's not real. Well, let's talk about this. Have you confessed your sin and repented of your sin before Jesus Christ? Yes. And you were born again? You can think, you can point back to a time when you were born again? Yes. That In that very moment, you became a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. At that very moment, the Holy Spirit came inside of you, no longer to be possessed by the devil or a demon ever again. God literally took up residence in your life to seal and protect you. That God gave you the Holy Spirit as a down payment of eternal salvation. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hands. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so to apply, to look at yourself and say you're unsavable when you're already saved is you're not now not speaking the truth. It, the, the, the lies of the devil are actually coming out of your lips because you are saved. Not only are you savable, but you have been saved. It's sort of like saying, it's sort of like saying this, you're on the phone with me right now? Yeah. I'm not on the phone with you. So I just said that. I'm not on the phone with you. Is that true or not true? It's not true. Did it take me off the phone with you? Did I hang up on you? Mm-mm. No. No, we're still on the phone. So I can say, I'm not on the phone with Daisy, but we're still on the phone. And so as you're battling these thoughts, and as your past is coming against you, the choice to, the choice to abide in Christ and to trust Him at His Word, that not only are you savable, but you have been saved, and that... God is working in you and upon you for his good pleasure. He's changing you from the inside out. He's making you more like Jesus. I mean, it's, it's powerful, and it's wonderful. And you're, these times of doubting and these times of difficulty, as a matter of fact, the, the, just, just, the, just that you and me talking right now and you being concerned about this is an evidence that you are saved. Yeah, I mean, I get I'm haunted by the my by these spiritual events that happened. And yeah, they they. Uh, it sounds like you were into so some terrifying. bad stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're and not it anymore. It wasn't even drugs at that time. It, yes. I was I was completely sober. I mean, these these spiritual events happened. So now I I know. I mean, I wish I could tell everybody, like. Satan is real. Yes. And that's how I found out that God is real, because I was an atheist. And okay. I once I figured out that this way, that Satan was real, I figured out that God is real. It wasn't the opposite. Like, I had I had to accept the fact that God was real through Satan. And he he's like, I'm not going to help you, Daisy, unless you believe in me. And it, it really did take me months, even after all of this, to to believe in God, because I had been so tormented through my whole life that I had a hard time accepting that there was a God, and that He was so loving, you know, and, and um, all I knew that, that all I knew about was like torture and pain. So I, I I didn't have a hard time accepting the devil, but I had a really hard time accepting God. But once that I did, it it was just totally transforming. He took the devil away from me. And it was it was truly just totally transforming and it's and it's so mind blowing to finally believe in God. I mean oh, he's so mind blowing. He's so 
almighty and powerful and and he can do so many miracles in your life and it's 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 just insane how um it is how loving he is i, I, I can't even put words to it well do me a favor email me and I'll, I'll, let me give you the email this one will get you this one should you should be able to remember this one you ready Okay, I have a pen, yeah. Email me at ed, ed, at edtaylor.org. I swear I did, but I swear I Okay, what's your, what name did you send it under? Um, uh, Daisy. So, so spell that. I'm sorry. Spell your first name. D-A-C-E. Just, okay, let me see. Um, I, I answered you on, uh, back on July 26th. God oh, loves you. you. You're safe abiding in him. It says, Hey, Daisy, thanks for emailing me. Stay strong in grace. God loves you so much. You're safe and abiding in him. Cause before that I had emailed like edtaylor.com and, and, uh, tailored. I mean, I, I, before I got the ed added Taylor, there was like several months where I tried ed yeah, you, you emailed me on July 20th, and I, I responded on July 26th because oh, I was out of okay. time. But anyway, email me. I want to send you, That's great. Uh, remind okay. me of the conversation uh, because I want to send you a link on a file that will help strengthen you in God's Word, like a daily Bible study to help strengthen you in God's Word. Okay. So you got the right one, ed at ed, don't do dot com because some uh, professional Santa Claus owns that one. I'm I'm only dot org o r g. Okay. But you already got okay. one through, so um, check yeah, your I got it now. Uh, check your spam because I know I emailed someone recently and it was in their spam box for some reason. I don't okay. know why. <clears throat> no, I'll check it better because I don't get emails very often, so I don't check it very often. But okay, I just check again. That I didn't get one. All righty. So. Cool. All right. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks for taking up your time. For oh, me. you're welcome. Bye bye. Okay. God bless you. Bye. 303-690-3000, Let's see where we are here. Um, I've got a text question real quick um, that I want to pray before I get to the phone lines here. So let me just pray here for, uh, let me get it here, because it was somebody going back to school, teacher, <clears throat> and I wanted to make a comment about that because I got another email on that. It says, uh, please, I'd, I'd like to ask for prayer. I start a new job at a middle school. So let me just, I'm going to pray for you. But I got another prayer request from a teacher recently. I'm not going to give details because I don't have permission. But um, uh, it's a high school teacher returning to school, wanted to pray, uh, wanted me to pray for them. And this is the things that they mentioned, which didn't quite, uh, I don't know that I always put these together, but they, they prayed um, this person's in some feelings of despair and stress concerning managing classrooms full of new students, teaching an extra class to help make ends meet, planning a new class, plus some personal things in their family. But like the pressure of new kids, the pressure of making sure all the paperwork's in order, um, pray for our public school teachers uh, pray for the believers that have a ministry in the public school system. Even my buddy Frank works in the public school system. And we need to pray for them because they're strategically placed um, on the property 
for the purposes of God. So Father, I pray for these these, um, folks that are starting back to school. I pray that you would give them wisdom and understanding and that you would help them manage the stress and the pressure and the difficulties that they have. Managing classes, I pray for our own teachers here at Calvary Christian Academy and the challenges that they have here, even with smaller, more manageable classroom sizes, uh, that you would encourage them, strengthen them, fill them with your spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. It looks like we have uh, May. So we're going to go to line one is May in Aurora, Colorado. May, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Pastor. Hi. So I have, um, I'm going to add on another question. I have two questions. Okay. And um, the first question is a couple months ago, and I was getting ready in the morning to go to work. Uh, actually, in the evening, because I went great shift, and I was combing, shower, and they combed my hair. Okay. Um, standing by the sink, and all suddenly I fainted, and I, I noticed my head hit the tub, and then my right side hit the toilet. Then I didn't remember anything. As soon as my head hit the tub, I see like a beautiful, like I was somewhere else, a beautiful um, blue skies, and it was sunny days, and I see. I um, see my um, people that passed away, like my mom, my aunt, they were there, and my grandma, and they was, you know, talking, laughing at each other. Yes. And and then for a moment, and I feel like I was going closer to them, but then all suddenly it just kind of disappeared. And when I woke up, my family was waking me up. Okay. And... um, I wasn't, my head wasn't bleeding or anything. Um, I was fine, and I went to work that day. And so I, I don't, I don't know why. I, I'm not sure if I did just faint for a few minutes or, or die, or, or I don't know what happened right there. So. Well, I wasn't, I don't know exactly what happened to you there, but I don't think you died. Uh, you mm-hmm. definitely had a traumatic experience. Uh, and that in that traumatic experience hitting your head, a, a lot of memories came back, a lot of thoughts came to you, and um, I don't know exactly what happened, but most likely you didn't die. Mm-hmm. But even if you so, did, you're alive now. I know. So I, I don't know why. Why did I go through that stage of seeing that? I mean, if my head hit the tub, I don't would know. I be conscious and not... Um, seeing anything? Well, you know, I know, I know God brings things to our minds. Uh, I know that God, that, that things that we carry in our subconscious and sometimes even in our conscious state come to mind through traumatic experiences. And, and God is definitely wanting to uh, grasp your attention to, for you to value life. You know, whatever happened there kind of gave you a sense of the value of life and the importance of life. And, um, mm-hmm. And so, lots going on, but I really don't have the specific answer. I don't know. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And another question, second question is, um, I'm, I'm a very scary person. Um, I sleep with the lights on. Okay. If I'm alone in the home, all the lights in the house on, um, the TV will be on, and... Um, I, I just don't know how to overcome that. Yeah, um, you know, fear I'm not, can... I'm not afraid of people that want to kill me or anything, or people that's bad. I'm not afraid of them. Or I can 
um, be walking outside in the dark and not afraid of people, but I'm afraid of, like, of the dead and, like, um, ghosts and things like that. So I can't get over that, and I, I don't know. I just don't know how to overcome that. Well, I think it's important for us to remember that God's Word will guide our, and direct our lives, and as we abide in Christ, He is our protector. Uh, he is our strength. And, you know, fear can be healthy. It's, fear is not always bad. Um, some of the fears that we have can be irrational, or, you know, they definitely can be challenging. Um, but, but at the same time, God is faithful. And we remember, as we walk by faith in Him, He takes away our fears, and we literally cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. And day by day, I think God will begin to lift those fears, remove those fears, and and strengthen you, uh, so that you will, um, you know, find yourself in a place of of great strength um, and great encouragement. Mm-hmm. Is there um, anything in the Bible that I could, you know, um, carry with me, like a pray or a prayer or something like that? Yeah, there's I quite a few scriptures. If you email me, that I can read. Yes, I mean, there's quite a few scriptures. If you email me, I can get you okay. that information. I'll respond to that email, and I will okay. uh, give you a bunch of scriptures. You okay. Bet. All right, I will do that. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. That's a great question. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about um, about fear. Um, that phrase, fear not, is all throughout the Scriptures. And it's literally the encouragement of God that strengthens us to, um, to overcome our fears and to overcome our weaknesses. And, you know, sometimes we just, we find ourselves in a place of, uh, of not being filled with faith, not being filled with the love of God. And, you know, I get fearful sometimes too, and ang- anxious, because fear and anxiety are our brother and sister. Um, and... You know, it's it's challenging, to say the least, but God is faithful. Um, God is so faithful to us to relieve our fears and to trust Him with our lives. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's go up to our friend up in downtown Conifer. Trent, welcome to the program. How are you, Pastor Ed? Trent, we miss you here, man. I miss being there. I know, but you guys are settling in up there and enjoying a new season of life together. Absolutely. What's up? Well, we're as as you probably understand, we are looking around for a church. We still consider Calvary our home, but we're trying to find something local. Yes. Um, I grew up in a Bible church. I've been to several Baptist churches. I've been to some non-denominational churches. Everywhere that I've ever been... Uh, the only variable with the Lord's Supper is how often they do it and when they do it. Okay. So we found a church that we really like, and when they did the Lord's Supper a couple weeks ago, 
we were a little confused because they didn't have all the little cups. They just had six big cups. Okay. And so <clears throat> when it came time to do the Lord's Supper, everybody got up, and uh, some ladies were kind of around the edge of the of the sanctuary. One was holding a cup, and one would hold the plate of the crackers. And you'd pick up the—we just kind of followed along what everybody else was doing. You'd pick up the cracker, and you'd dip it in the juice. Okay. And then you kind of hold your hand under it to catch the drips as you walk back to your seat. And then you do your, you know, prayer and contemplation, and then you have the cracker with the juice in it. And that was weird to me. I'd never seen anything like that before. I know that Catholics do it a little different and things like that, but I was just wondering what your take is on the different ways that people do communion. Well, that the, the Bible doesn't give us much instruction on how to participate in communion. I mean, if we were to... If we were to strictly follow the text, we should do it at a full Passover meal, sitting on the floor um, in in Jewish, you know, in a more Jewish contemporary style. So, you know, you know, we don't follow that particular model. Um, the, I guess, technically, dipping the bread in the juice uh, would be drinking that cup. I guess drinking from that cup. Um, I I don't. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Although I wouldn't make a big deal about it if somebody wanted to argue about it. Um, right. Jesus gave the cup. He actually literally handed the cup to them, and they drank from the cup. Um, they're, they're <clears throat> to me that that is going to be drinking out of a. So we don't even follow that exactly when we do the little cups. So I think remind, sure. being reminded of the bread and the the blood of Jesus Christ through. Uh, through the grape juice, of course, we do unfermented. Some people do wine, which is fermented grape juice, but um, they would have done some kind of ferment, fermented grape wine at the Passover meal. <clears throat> and so I think that there's not a lot of instruction in the Bible on communion. What's important is that as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of Him. Um, sure. I have made so- some personal convictions that I think are important, and that is, I do believe that the bread should be without um, yeast, because the bread is representative, and I do think the juice should be grape. I don't think it should be grape soda. I think it should be grape juice. However, however, I think anything that we're doing, shooting for the remembrance of Jesus Christ in the sense of what Jesus instituted for us, He's going to honor the heart of the matter. You know, let, let's just say all we have is Wonder Bread and grape juice at the house. Is that okay? I think, yeah, I think God would honor your desire to worship Him in trying to replicate the Passover meal. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, my, my first knee-jerk reaction was, well, this is wrong, <clears throat> you know, because He took, you know, when you read through the Scripture, He took the bread and then He took the cup, and He can't just mush those together. But then as I started thinking about it later— like you said, I mean, we don't do a strict interpretation of what he did anyway. So I started to think, well, maybe it's not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. Well, I wonder, for some reason, and we're going to run out of time here, but I wonder, isn't there a passage where it talks about Jesus dipping the bread in the cup? Was it, is there, um, does that sound familiar? Uh, not that I, I don't, I not at think the, of any. Let me see, not at the, let me just... See if I can find something. Because the here. Corinthians Close. verse that everybody reads you know, when they actually do it. <laughs> well, okay, so okay, so we don't want this model. I did remember a passage. <laughs> uh, 
He says uh, in John chapter 13, Jesus answered, it is to him to he it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when oh, I have dipped it. Right. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, Judas. the son of Simon. Right. So, so that I did remember a phrase, but that's not what we want to model. Um, right. Even uh, in Matthew twenty six, again speaking of Judas, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Um, but again, I think that because we, I've only been in a church that uses plastic cups. Um, right. the little ones that were disposable. Um, that's certainly not the way that Jesus did it, and I believe he honors it. And so any variation of that that's honoring that first meal and honoring the heart of Jesus Christ, I believe he'd accept. Okay. Okay. It's just weird, but we'll get used to it, I guess. Well, and I would say, let me. Let, maybe I can—I'm uh, not going to speak for you, but maybe I can change your vocabulary just a different and just say it's different. Yes. Uh, not so much weird as it, it would be weird if they added weird stuff to it, but they're they are definitely doing it in a different way than you're used to, um, and that doesn't mean you have to accept it or be used to it. It just means it's different, and God's doing something new in you. And um, right. we'll see where it lands. Okay. Thank you. Hey, don't Appreciate forget it. about the Calvary and Evergreen, man. That's yeah, not very yeah. far from you, and. I don't know if that's the one you visited that did that, but Ryan is a good no, man. No, it wasn't. I need to serve you well. Talk to you soon, Trent. Thanks, bye. Hey, that's the end of the show. Thanks for joining me today. See you tonight. We're in the book of Daniel. Looking forward to gathering together with the saints. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.